Good morning. Well, it's great to be with you, and boy, what a change. This is a pretty swish place. Fantastic. You need to be congratulated. And let me just say congratulations on this magnificent facility. But it's a facility for the vision for the kingdom of God. It's not the church. It's a facility. You are the church. Amen? Amen. And so uh, use this facility for the glory of God. That's just wonderful. Well, that was the story of uh, Praise and Siena, and you can see quite contrasting lifestyles there. And uh, I come today um, to uh, speak the Word of God, but also to um, thank all those people that sponsor children uh, through compassion and perhaps through other organizations as well. It's God's heart for uh, His people to be involved with the poor. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, um, our call, part of our call, is to be involved with the poor. And so, um, for those that are sponsoring children and helping the poor, I just want to say thank you so much for what you are doing. You are changing people's lives, but it's not just the individual of the child itself, but also the family, and right through the community. I was in the Philippines uh, three and a half, four months ago now. Doesn't time go quick when you're having fun? I mean, we're nearly in 2019. How crazy is that? This for me, anyway. Um, in the Philippines, I visited uh, six projects, uh, six churches, and uh, was able to see the work that Compassion do through the church. And it was wonderful to see the children who had started in Compassion as three, four, five-year-olds were now 14, 15, 16 years old, and they were still in the church. They were the youth group of the church. And so they started off as pan, uh, Compassion kids, stayed in the church, and now are full on for God, and they are the actual youth gr group of that church. How good is that? So the work of compassion, and, and look, this morning, I want to, and I, I've said this to you before, I'm sure, so excuse me for repeating myself, um, I, I want to affect your belief system, and uh, you come along to church on a Sunday morning, primarily, we all think to worship God, and that is part of it, and to have fellowship with one another. But the primary reason is so that your belief system will be affected. Jesus used to practice going from synagogue to synagogue, from village to village, to speak to people so that their belief system would be affected. And the reason we need our, our belief system affected is because that affects our spirit, because you and I are spirit. Hmm. We're created in the image of God, and uh, I've uh, ministered the message on identity here before, and uh, for those that have uh, heard it before, I'll just briefly say it again, for those that have not heard it, and that is, you are spirit, soul, and body. 
Your spirit is the you, that is the image of God, for God is spirit. Tells us in John 4, when Jesus was at the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman came to Jesus and said, where should we worship God, here at Mount Gennesaret, or should we worship him in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, neither, God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in truth and in, yeah, so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Look at this magnificent body before you. I live in this. You've got to look after your body because when it wears out or it gets diseased or you don't look after it, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, you're gone. You know, it was only uh, about 10 weeks ago that I buried my father, 91 years old, great faith in God, but they have the viewing, and I went and viewed his body, and as he was laid in the coffin there, and I looked at him, my father wasn't there anymore. He'd gone. His spirit and his soul had departed, and his body's left behind, and it will be the same for you and I. Your spirit and your belief system that is closely connected together, what you believe will affect your choices, your decisions, and ultimately your eternal destination. So it's important, I believe, to have a belief system that's very clear. So that's what I want to minister to you this morning. Is that all right? That was three of you. All right, the rest of you are going to get it anyway. Now, I'm going to finish by five, and um, that was a joke. Um, I want to affect you, because in Mark 9, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So your belief system is really critical to you as a person and to me as an individual. Um, Compassion works with the poor, and uh, I've got uh, a um, PowerPoint that I think some of you have seen before. We'll just go through it very quickly, but I want to reinforce, again, saying thank you to all you that are sponsoring. For you that are not, I want to really encourage you to think about this and, and have a look at the Word of God, uh, because God's heart's for the poor. So next slide, please. So, um, God's heart for the poor in Leviticus 19, 9, 10, God said to Israel, when you're reaping the harvest, make sure you leave a corner. And this little corner on this sign here, this blue corner, is on all the collateral and literature of uh, compassion. You can see it up in the corner there. That represents the corner of the field that you leave for the poor. Not your tithes and your offerings, you bring them into the house of God, but for the poor, God said to Israel, make sure you minister and save something for the poor. Ruth and Naomi, the book of Ruth, when they returned from their foreign land back home to Bethlehem, they were widows that didn't have any money, they were really poor. What did they do? Well, Ruth went to uh, the field of Boaz, and she gleaned from that field, and she gleaned from the corner. And ultimately, she did some good gleaning because she married Boaz, and she became the great-grandmother of King David. 
but God's heart's for the poor. God's heart's for children. Next slide, please. Let the children come to me, said Jesus, as the disciples were shooing them away, and uh, God's heart's for children. Next slide. God's heart's for the foreigner. Yes, we have lots of challenges here in Australia, but God doesn't see color of skin nor borders. He makes it very clear to Israel, make sure that you show love to the foreigners. And they say, why should we do that? And God says, because at one time you too were foreigners. Next slide, please. Compassion started 66 years ago. I like to say that because it shows the integrity of compassion. Still going after 66 years. And we're about the business of the kingdom of God. It was started by that man there, Everett Swanson, who found uh, children that were, well, he saw dead children and children that were barely alive and he was compelled to do something about it, so compassion began with 35 children. Next slide. Today we work in 25 developing countries. All those in blue receive, all those in mustard are givers. It's great to see that on the Korean peninsula there, it's turned from blue to mustard and now is a giving nation, and we sponsor between 1.8 and 2 million children. Next slide, please. We're Christ-centered. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We are a Christian organization, and we are overtly Christian. We're child-focused. Um, we believe that if you can affect a child's life, you can then in turn have influence on a community and change a nation. Got a great story of Richmond Wandera, who uh, lives in Uganda, was living in the slums of uh, Uganda, of Kampala, and uh, a 15-year-old girl sponsored him. 15. Worked at McDonald's. And part of her income she used to were put towards sponsorship for Richmond as an eight-year-old boy. He's now a um, network pastor in uh, Uganda and uh, has a network of over 3,000 churches. Isn't that a great story? See, invest in children. And we're church-based. Uh, we only work through the church. It's not compassion doing the work, it's the church doing the work. A church like this, we, do, we work with a lot of Baptist churches. When I was in the Philippines, out of the six, I reckon there was four that were Baptist churches that were doing the work in uh, Masbate, an island south of Manila. And uh, those churches were great churches. On average, had around 300 children in each of their programs. And uh, what Compassion does is resource the church so that the church can run the program in the community and see uh, children be set, released from poverty in Jesus' name. And uh, it was just, just such a great thrill to uh, see those churches at work. Next slide, please. Next slide, compassion brings education, pays for the materials, we give them the resource to buy school uniforms, pay for fees, health care. We like to see the ch children regularly checked for medical and dental. Next, nutritious meals, of course. Next, vocational training. We want to train the kids so that they become a resource back to their family. We're not Centrelink. 
We want to break the cycle of poverty. We don't want it to continue. Next, then we bring Christian teaching. Those Baptist churches over in uh, the Philippines uh, have been part of seeing 137,290 children come to Christ, which uh, I think is pretty good. Isn't it wonderful? So um, if uh, you um, are sponsoring a child and you see in your heart that you could sponsor another, that would be wonderful. I've had to say to my wife, stop sponsoring, otherwise we'll be joining the poor. Um, I've got little Petro here. He's from Ghana. He's been waiting 160 days. He's not got a dad. And um, he needs help. He's five years old. If you could see it in your heart to help the poor, that would be wonderful. And I'm sure that it would make the heart of God pleased. We can often pray and we need to pray and we can sing about the love of God and how we want to follow God. But it's really a step of faith for us to take a hold of a child's life and have influence. And as you saw with Sienna and Praise, they have a relationship as they write letters to each other. So, um, love you to um, think carefully and take that step of faith and uh, see a child's life changed. We believe in children. We love children. And they are our future. Let me encourage you as well as with the announcements. If you can see yourself available to help in children's church, do that. I go around a lot of churches. In fact, in the last two and a half years, I've visited, I think it's about 180 churches now. So I've seen a lot of church. Some of it's been really good. Some of it's been really interesting. Um, the churches that are struggling have not had their focus on young people. They've neglected young people, children and youth ministry. And um, I just want to strongly encourage you, it is not a, it's a non-negotiable in my view. You have to invest in your children and your young people. You still need some old people like me Come on, everybody say amen. I'm feeling lonely here. Um, but we have to invest in the young people. They are today and the future. So I want to encourage you to um, be involved in children in sponsorship and in your children's ministry. It's critical. So, can we go on to the next PowerPoint? I'm going to go really quickly. The door's just right at the back there. <laughs> just kidding, Noah. <laughs> I, I, I want to I bring a word that affects you. Um, the Spirit of God is here. Whether you feel Him or not, He's here. Why? Because the Word of God tells me. And um, I, I've... Uh, I've been on the journey now for some uh, over 30 years. Oh, it's incredible how time goes. 
I used to have long flowing hair and I was six inches taller. I'm still good looking, but um, um, just time moves on and um, with the death of my father, it just again increased the urgency in me to be about the business of the kingdom of God. Um, I want to live a God-centered life. Next slide, please. God-centered living. So uh, I want to bring um, four points. Pastors usually bring three or four points because that's what pastors do. So I'm going to bring four uh, to speak about God-centered living. Next slide, please. The Word became flesh. Now, you've probably heard this time and time and time again, but I'm going to bring it and reinforce it again. For a believer in Christ, for a follower of Jesus Christ, and look, there are many religions in the world. First of all, if you're on a journey of discovery, you've not taken the step of faith yet, um, the, the first journey is to establish, is there a God? Because if there's no God, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. So go out and enjoy yourself. But if there is a God, you can still enjoy yourself. But then the next big question is, who is he? Is it uh, Muhammad? Is it uh, Buddha? Is it Confucius? Is it Jesus Christ? Who is it? Um, my journey has led me to the point of belief, that belief system again, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. He was the Word becoming flesh. God manifest in the flesh. Second Timothy 2.20, I think it is. God manifest or appearing in flesh. And it tells us in the Gospel of John, next slide please, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's interesting, grace comes first. So what that says to me, firstly, for all those that are followers of Christ, grace comes first, not truth. Now, don't get all uppity with me. Truth is always there, but grace comes first. And what that means... Everybody look at me. Look at me. Be nice. All right? If you're feeling grumpy, that's all right. We do have our moments of grumpiness. But we're called to show grace to people. And Jesus, it tells us further on in John, that, he's, that he was grace upon grace. And he was full of grace and truth. For us to have a God-centered life, what is incredibly important is that we have this book as part of our lives. This is a mirror to who I am and who God is. And if we're not in the Word, it's going to be very difficult for us to understand the ways of God. Look, being in the Word brings challenges to understand the ways of God sometimes. 
But we need to be in the Word. Jesus himself was in the Word. He emptied himself of his divine privileges, it tells us in Philippians 2. And he came as a baby, God manifest in the flesh, and he went on the journey of discovery, and he only had the Old Testament, but he studied the Scripture, and he quoted the Scripture. He was the Word that became flesh, and God wants the Word becoming flesh again through you and I. So that this Word becomes a living Word inside of us. Jesus lived the Word. Jesus mirrored the Word. The Word is central. We need to have grace. Jesus was full of grace. But we also need the Word, the truth of God's Word. So I just want to encourage you again and affect that belief system and speak into you. My words that are invisible, that they come to you through your ears and your eye gate and into your spirit and say we need to be in the Word. Whether you listen to it, whether you read it, whether you watch it, is up to you. But being in the Word is critical for us to understand the ways of God. The Word became flesh, and we are to become the Word in flesh. Uh, I think I've told you before, Jesus studied the Word and memorized, as it was the custom of all Hebrew boys, to memorize the Torah by the age of 12, which I think is an outstanding feat. But then again, I saw on Little Big Shots. Does anybody seen the program? Little, do you get Little Big Shots up here? Yes, of course you do. Uh, what about the little girl that uh, memorized Shakespeare? She was about this big. Memorized Shakespeare. And I, th I thought to myself, well, how, how can you memorize? But then, it's interesting. I can hear a tune from the 1960s. And before too long, I'm singing away and knowing all the words. Does anybody else get that? Has anybody been born in the 60s here? <laughs> so the memory is an incredible thing, but Jesus himself studied and memorized the Word of God, and he was the Word that became flesh. Secondly, it says, next slide, the Spirit remained upon him. Next scripture, thank you. And John, that's John the Baptist, bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. So we need the Word, but with the Word we need the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God brings life to the Word, otherwise it just becomes a book. And so in your belief system, I want to encourage you, I want to oil that that's inside of you to say the Spirit of God wants to bring revelation of what this Word is. In Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the disciples and said, who do men say that I am? And some said John the Baptist, some said one of the prophets raised from the dead, but he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And what he's talking about is that you did not get this through natural means. You got it from heaven. The Spirit of God revealed to your spirit, Peter, the truth. Revelation. And Jesus said, And upon this rock I will build my church. And the rock is not the rock of Peter, but the rock of revelation that God will build his church. We want to see the church built here in Howard Springs. Amen? Amen. Well, it's through the Word and by the Holy Spirit bringing revelation and understanding of what we should do. There's the Word and also the prompting of God having us do things. I mean, there's people that are saying, God told me this, God told me that. And I think, well, praise God for that. It's good that you get to hear him all the time. I'm always seeking and wanting to hear his voice, but sometimes I'm hard of hearing. Is anybody else like that, or is it just me? Um, It's the journey of being in the Word and saying, God, let this come alive to me. Show me something in this. That brings life. Because I want to I live a God-centered life. You see, what's happening in the church, in the Western society right now, is confusion is starting to breed. And it's all part of the plan, it's okay. But confusion is coming because man has gone on his own natural understanding rather than looking for understanding that comes from heaven. See, I I believe that God is supernatural. I believe there is a spirit realm. It's invisible. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. We are working in an invisible realm that is eternal. The natural realm is not eternal. It's temporal. It's here for a time and then it's going to go. Just like my dad, he went. We work in the supernatural. We work in the spirit realm, in the heavenly realm that is unseen. But the way that we can see is when we look into the Word of God. Next slide, please. Jesus answered in John five nineteen and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. He's talking about Himself. He, he's saying, I can't do anything of Myself. This is Jesus talking. I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. I mean, did Jesus gaze into heaven and see God performing something, and then Jesus went, I'm going to do that. I believe that the primary way that Jesus saw what the Father was doing was as he studied the Scripture, and it was revelation to him because he had the Spirit without measure. Come on, I don't want to get spooky on you here, but you are Spirit. Our business is the Spirit realm. For our children out there, they're very open to spiritual things. I think the indigenous people are very open to spiritual things, in my experience. I think the Western white Australian, a lot of the time, is very hard. 
And we as the church, we need to be the softest and most pliable to understand spiritual things. Because that's where you're going next after this life. 1 Corinthians 15, what a beautiful chapter that is. Talks about the resurrected body. I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to improve on this. <laughs> not hard to do but is it but listen the next body that you and I are going to get is going to be a body that's not going to be temporal it's going to be eternal and it says just as he is so we shall be the him is Jesus and now he has a body he's in a body he displayed it before the disciples which was the eternal body still carried the scars of the cross but for you and I, we will get new bodies according to the Bible. Have a look at 1 Corinthians 15, great chapter. So we need to see what the Father's doing. We need to see into the spirit realm. And the Word of God is all part of that. And it's by the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He, did, he wasn't saying be filled with the Holy Spirit so we could walk around and say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. What about that? The power's on me. No, it was understanding the Word of God. Be filled with it. So when you look into this, you get revelation. And yes, that's the empowerment. You know, uh, as you take that step of faith... Um, that step that I receive Christ as Savior, faith, hope, and love inside of you is changed. Humanity carries faith, hope, and love, but when you take the step of faith, the Holy Spirit does something and gives you the God type of hope which we sang about, the God type of faith that can move, move mountains, and the God type of love that... Uh, is unconditional. That's inside of you and I now. But the way that we get it out is through the Word and by the Spirit in this business of the kingdom of God. Are you all okay? You're very quiet. <laughs> I've got to move now. Next point. God is with us. I want to encourage you. The, this, this reality of God with us, um, that we, we need to, the Word becoming flesh in us, that the Spirit of God is upon us. Now, we, with the Holy Spirit, if you're unsure, after, at the end of the meeting, I want to create an opportunity for you to come and let me pray for you. Part of my gifting, if you like, is about the Holy Spirit and to help people have a real sense and understanding and, and experience of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I, I just want to uh, re-emphasize in a God-centered life to know that God is with us. Not have language that is always saying, God, come and help me. Or, the, you know, it's Old Testament language to say, God, please be with us. He is with us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 
Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God-centered living is knowing that God is with us and our language carries that. Whether you feel him or not, because Christianity is not based on what you feel like, it's based on what God says. I feel God, I don't feel God, he mustn't be with me. No, whether I feel him or not, he's with me. Why? Because his word says it. You all good with that? Cool. And the last point, everybody say, finally. Come on, that's the noisiest you've been all day. (laughs) Um, Purpose living. Um, A God-centered life is, is with purpose. Purpose in regard to the church, but also purpose in regard to your individual lives. If you're a business person, if you work in a factory, if you go to school, if you're a mom or dad at home, that is, you've got purpose in that, and it's purpose in God. Never lose the purpose. The purpose is the driving force for God-centered living. Israel lost its purpose when it was delivered from Egypt. That was a metaphor of being set free from sin and slavery for for Israel to leave Egypt. But they went round in circles for 40 years because they never went into their purpose. And their purpose was to take the promised land. But the land had giants in and the giants frightened them off. They experienced the power of God, the provision of God, the presence of God, but they still went round in circles. Why? Because they didn't go into their purpose. Everybody here has got a purpose in God. There is not another person like you. You are God's little snowflake. There's only one of you. We only want one of you. We can only cope with one of you. But you have a purpose. Inside the church is the leadership bring the vision of the church, but it's not all about church. It's about the church being out in the world and being who you are in the world that God's called you to, and you've got a vision, have a vision for your job, for your social life, for your family. It's a God-centered life. It encompasses everything. There's no priority list. The priorities come when you have extremes. You know, some people say, oh, well, it's God first, and then it's family next, and then it's church next, and then it's my work. Well, it all depends what's happening in my life, who's in the priority. God's always at the center, but sometimes my employment takes priority over other things. Come on, this is not just me, it's you as well. So, God-centered living. We need to be empowered for it. I was meant to finish at 11. Is that right? Don't look at your watches. Now, now before I go, um, just stand together. Now, if you're in a place, and look, I I think 
at times all of us are in a place where we need prayer and we need some encouragement because we've got challenges that sometimes are a bit overwhelming. Um, I, I, I just want to create an opportunity right now, and we're, not, we're family here, and if you're a visitor, you're part of our family. Um, I just want to create that opportunity to pray for you. And um, I pray the anointing of God upon you, and what anointing is, it's a very spiritual word, but what it basically means is the ability of heaven. I want the ability of heaven to come upon you and help you in your situation. It might be that you're in a place where right now I just want to really move forward in my Christian faith. I feel like I've been going round in circles for a few years or a few months, and I want to break that. Um, I often... Um, get insight into people's lives and um, their gifts from God. So I, I just want to help you. And uh, as the band play, and why do we play music? Well, it can soothe the soul. It can create atmosphere for the individual to respond. So let's just close our eyes as we come to the end of this meeting. Father, I pray by the love of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Speak to your people on the inside. Quicken them, Lord.